With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Slow Burn Media, Evergreen Podcasts, and Killer Podcast presents Who Killed? A podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Who Killed? The Presser of the Week. This week's episode is actually focused on a cold case unit that has been formed in New Mexico that is going to specifically focus on forensic genealogy as a way to solve some of the backlog cases that they have in their department. It is very revolutionary and innovative, I think, in the sense that we see cases solved all across the country using this particular technology. Now, for a state to use their funding and specifically focus on the genetic genealogy aspect of things really is something that we should all take notice of. If this is something that turns out to be successful, this could be something that is instituted across the country. And some of the 250,000 plus cases that remain unsolved could potentially fall into the solved category. I just find this very unique and it's very cool to see a police department and a state police unit come together and say, you know what, we need to do more than just the norm. We need to use what technology has now offered us, and that is the ability to track down potential assailants using, again, familial genealogy. And this is done with a number of ways. You know, we've all heard about, um, you know, C.C. Moore and, and everything, Orthom and all the other different companies that have worked with police to help solve some of these cases. It's the Golden State Killer. Um, it's basically a case a week these days. And this is only going to lead to positive things, in my opinion. So I think it's really cool to hear from the people that put together this unit. And it's informative because this is really what the future could be. And I have all the hope that it's successful as they hope it is because we can all then take a seat and watch things get solved. So this is a great opportunity for us as the audience to, one, educate ourselves about what it is the police do when it comes to a brick wall where they don't have anywhere else to turn and forensic genealogy becomes their only option. So why don't you guys join me and listening in on the New Mexico Department of Justice press conference where they announce the cold case unit that is going to focus specifically on forensic genealogy. Enjoy. Um, things any family can endure, and that is not having answers, not knowing um, what happened to their loved one. And I am extraordinarily privileged today to be able to announce the first ever dedicated cold case unit um, 
that, that operates on a statewide basis and a unit that is specifically focused on using the most advanced techniques of forensic genetic genealogy, um, which has been utilized in a number of cases, both in Bernalillo County to solve outstanding sexual assault cases, but is also currently being utilized um, in, numbers, in numerous jurisdictions across the state and across the country to identify people who have gone um, um, unnoticed and, un, and, and have not been apprehended by law enforcement. Um, I am pleased to be joined today by Santa Fe Chief of Police Paul Joy, um, the Valencia County Sheriff Denise Hill, and the McKinley County Sheriff James Mariano, who will each uh, highlight uh, three of the six currently open investigations that have been um, identified by this unit. And to talk to, to um, or allow each of them to talk to you briefly about the facts and circumstances of each of the individuals who um, were identified in their jurisdictions. But I want to take a moment to walk through, I think, the power of this new technique in forensic uh, genetic genealogy, which basically unites the power of DNA testing and um, the uh, ability now to use open source um, genetic databases and, and genealogical experts to help identify the family tree of an unknown offender. It's um, a process that is uniquely used whenever there is a DNA sample that has been collected, but there is no known match in the CODIS um, national database. And it is our hope that by applying this technique and harnessing the combined investigative power of local agencies, along with the dedicated professionals inside the Department of Justice, that we will finally be able to um, identify suspects to close some of these cases and, and ultimately secure justice for these families. And so with that, I'd like to turn it over to, to Chief Paul Joy to talk briefly about the case that he referred to this agency, and then we'll take each in turn. Chief. Good afternoon. Uh, so can you hear me okay? All right. So on uh, March 23rd, 1995, our officers responded to what was originally classified as a welfare check at the um, rocking teepee. Uh, upon arrival, the officers realized that there was the, the, the victim there had been uh, beaten to death, severe uh, traumatic injury. Uh, and from that moment on, this became a homicide investigation. Our detectives and officers worked tirelessly on this case. Uh, this is a case that impacted our community and the family even to this day. Uh, our, our detectives met with uh, the family just recently. Um, we're, I'm, I'm incredibly honored, I'm very excited and appreciative of the work that the Department of Justice and AG Torres has helped us out with and provided uh, to us. Their agents reached out to us uh, in mid-2023 uh, to let us know that this case, this, this unit had been created, cold case unit, and asked us if we had any cases that they could assist us on. And uh, this was, we, we went through their, their, their file and the number of cases that they had and this was the first candidate. So we are hopeful that we can continue on and with, with other cases. But this particular case, um, it, we're, we're very pleased uh, with the, the work that's been done so far and the progress that we've made with the assistance of the agents. 
Turfield. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. First, I want to thank you all for being here to learn more about the important partnership between my agency, the Valencia County Sheriff's Office, and the New Mexico Department of Justice. It takes meaningful partnerships with agencies statewide, like the New Mexico Department of Justice, to extend their existence to helping solve the cold cases. Many of you know we have, uh, it can be extremely complex and require a lot of extra man hours, which we don't have in, within our agency at the moment. Um, I wanna speak at a high level about the case that the New Mexico Department of Justice has agreed to assist us with. Uh, the victim is a man who was found deceased from a single gunshot wound at his home near I-40 in Valencia County. My team followed up on numerous leads and utilized the latest in forensic technology in their investigation. Though the trail eventually went cold, the New Mexico Department of Justice and the Valencia County Sheriff's Office are teaming up again to lend a fresh look and adapting new advances in forensic technologies. Again, I'd like to thank everyone for their willingness to work together to solve important cases in the name of justice and most importantly for the loved ones affected by these tragedies. I'll give you a little case details um, on the case that we're talking about. On November 7th, 1992, Jack Elkins was found deceased from a single gunshot in his home, which was behind his business, the Correo Trading Post located on New Mexico Highway 6 near I-40 in Valencia County. Detectives from the Valencia County Sheriff's Office followed up on numerous leads and utilized the latest in forensic technology in their investigation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Early on, the Valencia County Sheriff's Office obtained assistance from the Ceboa County Sheriff, New Mexico State Police, and the New Mexico Attorney General's Office. Elkins has been the elect, had been the elected sheriff for Valencia County Sheriff from 1967 to 1971. Though the trail eventually went cold on this case, the New Mexico Department of Justice and the Valencia County Sheriff's Office are teaming up again to lend a fresh look and adapting the new advances in forensic technologies. So again, thank you again, <clears throat> Real Torres, for assisting us in all of these cases. Hopefully we can bring to light a, a few more that we may have um, for collaboration together to bring justice to these families. Thank you. Well, good afternoon. I'm Sheriff James Mariano of the McKinley County Sheriff's Office based out of Gallup, New Mexico. And I am thankful for this opportunity to be here with Attorney General Torres, Sheriff Vigil, and Chief Joy to share our ongoing commitment to solving cold cases, not only in our prospective jurisdictions, but statewide for all New Mexicans. What you see here today and us being here together today illustrates a collaboration of state and local agencies working together to solve these types of cases. The New Mexico Department of Justice has agreed to partner with my office in trying to solve a McKinley County homicide case. Let me give you a brief synopsis of what that case was. In January of 2017, a McKinley County resident and a member of the Navajo Nation left work in Gallup and believe, we believe picked up two hitchhikers. West of Gallup on Route 66, these unknown assailants shot her in the back, dumped her out of the vehicle and stole the victim's vehicle. When a passerby stopped and called 911, she was at that time still alive. She gave a brief account of what happened to the first responders and the people that were standing next to her. However, tragically, she succumbed to her injuries, turning this case into a homicide investigation. Our chief investigator at the time, although retired now, 
conducted a very thorough investigation, locating the victim's truck in the next few days, and was able to process both the evidence and collect DNA samples from the vehicle and items found inside the vehicle that were sent to the state forensic laboratory. Regrettably, we were not able to get any DNA matches at that time. With the change in technology and in the ability to collect DNA and process it in different ways, we are hopeful that this partnership with the New Mexico Department of Justice and access to this advanced DNA technology can close this case, bringing justice for the victim, punishing those who committed this horrific crime, and bringing the family's closure in this tragic event. The men and women of the McKinley County Sheriff's Office work tirelessly to keep our citizens feeling safe and secure. I am thankful to the New Mexico DOJ for this partnership and the ongoing efforts to increase the quality of life, not only for McKinley County residents, but for all New Mexicans. Thank you. Thanks, Sheriff. And before we open it up for questions, there are just a couple of uh, things that I'd like to highlight. Um, first is the importance of the advancement in new technology and the ability to bring um, these new techniques to bear on on cases where, frankly, th this never could have been done before. Um, Chief Joy and I had the opportunity to discuss the fact that his department has um, been able to use this technology and this technique effectively, They've been able to identify a murder suspect in, in a separate case. And so I think it's incredibly important that we um, number one, draw attention to these specific cases because perhaps there is um, a witness or someone with information about one of these three crimes that um, has an opportunity now to come forward um, and, and provide new information to law enforcement to help generate new leads or identify suspects. Um, but I also think it's important for us to speak directly to, to members of communities across the state, particular particularly leaders in law enforcement and smaller agencies. Um, uh, Chief Joy, coming from um, a, an urban agency, a bigger agency, um, not unlike the Albuquerque Police Department, has additional resources and detectives. But as, as you've heard from Sheriff Mariano and, and Sheriff Hill, there are a lot of, of very hardworking and very dedicated law enforcement professionals working in smaller agencies and in smaller communities. And they simply don't have the manpower, they don't have the resources. And it's with that in mind specifically that the Department of Justice has announced this initiative to try and step in and fill the void. It is dedicated now with three full-time um, law enforcement professionals, investigators, and that unit is paired with our Special Prosecutions Division, which actually has some of the most experienced homicide and sexual assault prosecutors in the state. And so it's our hope that by leveraging those resources and making them available specifically to smaller departments, that we're able to finally identify some of these suspects and bring them to justice. Um, we are actively looking for additional partnerships. And so my hope is that um, You'll, you'll carry the word to other sheriffs around the state and other chiefs around the state that this is a partnership that we'd like to expand. Um, and we are actively looking for members of the public and the community to get more engaged and involved to, tr to try and bring um, cases to our attention or potential suspects to our attention. Um, but the bottom line is that each, each of, of the law enforcement professionals that are represented here today um, have the distinct privilege of having worked with victims' families. They know what kind of impact it's had on their lives. Um, as a former prosecutor, 
I can tell you that um, the bond that we make with victims and their families is is it's a special one, and it is um, almost every cop or prosecutor that I've ever worked with in my time in law enforcement has that one case and has that one family that's in their mind, that's in their that's in their heart, um, and while it is always um, some sort of satisfaction when able, when we're able to make an arrest or secure a conviction, there's always that that um, detective who could never solve a case, and he takes or she takes that box home with them, and she or he studies that case over and over and over again. And every department um, in this state, I can guarantee you, there is there is a case like that. And so, what we want fundamentally for people to understand is that we are here to partner with your agencies, to work with your communities, and to bring every available resources that we can in the service of justice. And with that, I'll open it up for any questions that you may have. Um, how, are you, how is this going to relate to the Mexico State Police, which handles statewide investigations? So that's a good question. New Mexico State Police has uh, jurisdiction over specific types of crimes, but as you've heard from the various departments represented here today, a lot of the the primary response initially to violent crimes occurring in these jurisdictions falls to the sheriff's departments and local law enforcement departments. Um, We will certainly work with... Uh, the state police, the Albuquerque Police Department, and and agencies statewide to help them in with respect to any outstanding cold case that they think they need help with. Um, but it's our intention to try and provide an extra layer of support to those smaller departments that, frankly, don't have the kinds of resources that the state police currently have. Yeah, Nicholas so what does the staff and resources for this unit look like right now? You mentioned three full-time investigators. Mm-hmm. Can you talk, like, money-wise, what, what's going into that? And then also, more about that, the process of how the cold cases will, like, they will bring them to the Department of Justice, mm-hmm. smaller agencies. So we actually, um, this, this initiative while it's being announced today, has actually been underway for several months, and you, and you heard the sheriff's uh, reference that we actually uh, started reaching out to law enforcement agencies across the state, um, I believe in the summer of, of, of 2023, to try and let them know that we were going to be accepting cases. Um, not all cold cases, as you can imagine, there are, if you, if you went across the entire range of different criminal categories, it would simply be too many. But we are specifically focused on unsolved uh, homicides and unsolved sexual assaults, with a particular emphasis on DNA that had been collected in those cases, processed against the possibility of identifying a suspect in CODIS, and yet there was a negative hit when when that sample was submitted to the CODIS database. And what that identifies is a a limited range of cases to be to to start with um, in terms of bringing to bear this new technique and technology that we think will be able to potentially help identify identify a suspect and you you heard Sheriff Mariano talk uh, briefly about the circumstances of the killing that happened in McKinley County that 
um, the fact that they were able to identify the vehicle, the fact that they were able to process that vehicle and collect DNA evidence, and the fact that they were able to submit that evidence to CODIS with a negative return signals to us that there is at least the possibility that the person um, or persons who were involved in committing this crime um, can be identified using forensic genealogy. Um, uh, this technique was first pioneered um, in the apprehension of the Golden State Killer and helped to close cases that went back all the way, I believe, to the 70s and 80s. Um, but it is still relatively new. We've used it several times in Bernalillo County. We had the first um, identified sexual assault suspect um, in the Bernalillo County District Attorney's Office. And the way that it works is we actually secure um, that sample that was previously submitted to law enforcement, and we then compare it to an open source uh, database that most people utilize for the purposes of looking into their family history, their family ancestry. And then um, after they have, and in, in, in participating in that database, they actually have to affirmatively agree to share information with law enforcement. They work backwards and are able to identify a common ancestor. And believe it or not, it, the DNA testing is actually the easiest part of the analytical investigative work that needs to take place. What then happens is that information is turned over to a trained genealogist, and that genealogist takes that um, family tree and then works forward in time from that common ancestor to try and identify a likely suspect that matches the characteristics of the person that we believe was complicit in the crime. But it doesn't stop there. We actually then go and, and obtain a direct DNA sample from that individual and do a point-to-point -point comparison, which is what we did in Bernalillo County. Um, and that's where, how we're able to identify um, a, a perfect match or a point-to-point you know, -point match between the collected DNA sample and that individual. And our sense is, is that while we can add additional value by conducting additional interviews or knocking on doors or trying to maybe identify uh, photo evidence or video evidence or other types of things. What we have found, not in every case, but in lots of cases, is that a lot of the, that work has already been done by frontline detectives, sheriff's deputies, um, and folks in these departments who have already kind of done that work, and yet they've hit a dead end. And so it's specifically with utilizing that technology and that technique that we hope to crack open the case and develop new leads. What other questions are there? Uh, Oliver. I'm Oliver. Yeah. So you're talking about using uh, information that's It's actually, usually it's called GEDmatch, GEDmatch. That's the open source database that's, that's usually commonly used for these types of investigations. GEDmatch, yeah. G-E-D-M-A-T-C-H. Um, and that's how we did, I believe, the investigations that we initiated and resolved in, in Bernalillo County were actually used um, that database. And um, interestingly, the first case that we solved with using that technique involved a sexual assault of a woman who had been attacked along the Bosque um, on, on New Year's Eve. She identified 
and gave a description of the suspect but didn't obviously have a name or any personal identifiers. The detectives hit a dead end. And then they were ultimately able to identify a common ancestor through a distant second or third cousin, I believe, in Southern California, and then figured out um, working forward in time from the development of that um, family tree who the likely potential suspects were based on their age, their gender, whether or not they lived in the community, and that narrowed the range of potential suspects. Um, but then it was up to agents to go and collect a further and additional DNA sample from that individual and then compare it to the crime, to the sample that was recovered at the crime scene. Do you, do you remember the name of the suspect? It was, is it Angel? Angel Goudelet was the first suspect that we identified, but there has since been um, a serial rapist who has been identified in, in Bernalillo County by the name of Duran, Edward Duran. In fact, some of the um, agents who worked on those cases in the Bernalillo County DA's office are now uh, agents in this new unit. So we know they can do it. Okay. Um, thank you again. Um, I appreciate the, the public interest in this. I appreciate um, the willingness of uh, our friends and partners in the media to share this information. And I certainly appreciate the willingness of our law enforcement partners to uh, work with us collaborative, collaboratively to try and achieve justice where we can. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Who Killed the Presser of the Week. I hope you garnered some knowledge about what it is that these cold case units do with their time. And it is super interesting to hear it from the horse's mouth. So I hope you enjoyed it. Again, I drop new episodes every Friday. The presser of the weeks come and go here and there. But uh, try to stay consistent. And you can follow me on Twitter at BillHuffman3. Again, I am opinionated, and that is uh, all I'll say about that. But it is what it is. And if you'd like to follow me on any other podcast platform, you can do so. I'm available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, you name it, I'm there. So just check me out. And again, as always, until next time, be healthy and stay safe. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I want to take a moment to tell you about my podcast. Carol Costello presents Blind Rage. In 1984, a woman named Phyllis Cottle was abducted in broad daylight, tortured, and left to die in a burning car in Akron, Ohio. At the time, I was a rookie reporter covering this horrific story. Since then, I've reported every kind of crime imaginable. I've been able to leave most of them at work, but not this one. The one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story. 
a production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network. You can find Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at killerpodcast.com.